True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome into another Fantasy Baseball Today mailbag, this time on Thursday, February 10th. I am Frank Sample, joined by an ailing Scott White. The poor guy has nearly lost his voice, but he's just too valuable. We need him. He is vital to the podcast and our success here, and thus, we power on, Scotty. We power on. What's going on, bud? Soldier on, I would say. Yeah, I know people who've been listening all week probably... Probably aren't expecting it to continue getting worse. Um, at some point, you have to think I'm going to be over the hump and start to get better. But that day is not today. So we soldier on. We soldier on, Frank. I will stick to the low notes. I will talk in a monotone even more than usual. And uh, we'll answer some fantasy best baseball questions here in the mailbag. <laughs> Were you a big fan of the Saw movies, Scott? You kind of got the the Jigsaw voice going on right now. Want to play a game? I really did like the first Saw. Yeah. It was good. Um, it was good. After that, it kind of just became torture porn. So I checked, <laughs> out. I checked out after the third one. Uh, I s- but the, the first one was very clever movie. And uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I think there's something like ten of them now. Or didn't didn't Chris Rock direct the most latest one? I don't know, something like that. Uh, there's a lot of those movies going on. I I've, I saw I think I saw at least three of them, maybe four, maybe four Saw movies, which will will surprise some people, surprise a a part of our audience. Yes, I've seen some movies out there. Uh, thanks again to everybody who continues to send in your emails. You want us to answer your question? You could send it in fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. So if you have a question, put mailbag in the subject line and we're going to do one of these podcasts per week. They're usually a little bit shorter than our uh, our full length podcast. Definitely shorter than our position previews. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but again, you want your question answered, email us or you can leave a five star Apple rating and leave your question in the review. But let's jump right in, Scotty. And we're going to start with Anthony in Minnesota, who I know is a dedicated listener. He, he often tweets at me as well. So shout out to Anthony in Minnesota. Hello, Brendan, Byron, and Sandy. I don't know if you're, are you looking at the rundown, Scott? 
Um, I have it pulled up now. Yes. Ah, so then you probably know. You probably know who these players are. They are each one of our true loves, and we do have our Players We Love podcast coming up soon, so wait and see. We'll see if Scotty chooses Brendan Rodgers, if Chris goes with Byron Buxton, and if I go with Sandy Alcantara. Mm. So this is just his deduction, I guess, Yeah. based on how often and how emphatically we discuss these players. It would make sense. I'm going to take it down an octave, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> that last one was a little too high. <laughs> All right, bud. Special guest star today. I'm totally fine. If you want to go with the voice changer, I know we tried to figure it out on the mock draft, but I, 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 w- I always liked the the voice changer. I know other people, were they weren't about it, but uh, if you could figure that out, Scott, then let's do it. Is this it? No, it's not it. <laughs> ah. It's all right. We'll, this isn't it? No, it's not it. Ah. We'll figure it out. We Let's right. answer some questions. I have a okay. keeper dilemma in a 6x6 six six Roto League with the extra categories being OPS for hitters and K per 9 for pitchers. Keeper rules are you keep two in the round they were drafted and can only keep them for two years. Assuming there are uh, two years of keeper eligibility left, here are my options. Cattell Marte in round 8, Kevin Gosman in round 10, Jake Cronenworth in round 18, and Tyler Malley in round 19. I am leaning Marte since it's about a two-round discount. Unsure if it's good to keep Gosman and not have a pick for two of three rounds or take the bigger discount in Jake Cronenworth. What do you think, Scotty? Well, it would matter to me how deep, deep, how deep my voice is, how deep this league is, because the deeper it is, I'm sorry, the shallower it is, the more impactful you want your keepers to be. Like that matters more than the extent of the discount. So, you know, assuming 12 teams or something shallower, Marte and Gosman. But if it's like, I don't know, 15 teams or more, maybe you think about keeping Cronenworth. I'd, I'd be more likely to keep him over Marte than Gosman. You know what? I don't even think it matters that much. Marte and Gosman. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think Gosman for sure, but I do agree with you. If if it's a deeper league, you know, getting Jay Cronenworth in round 18, uh, I think that's worthy of consideration. But in a vacuum, I, I would go with Cattell Marte and Kevin Gosman as well. Uh, this one's from David. What's up, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl? I'm, ter- um, I'm terrible at these. So Is this uh, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl? Is, is this that old sitcom? I know there's some character on some old sitcom. He always had introduced himself as Brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. Uh, it looks like it's something uh, called New Heart. Does that sound right? There you go. Yep. Uh, I've never watched it. So it's more, more, uh, more our p- parents' generation, I think. <laughs> Although I watched a lot of Nick at Night growing up. So the older sitcoms, I mean, I'm, I'm usually... Well versed, I've seen a good amount of them, but not this one. New Heart, I, I've never seen it. Um, and for anyone who's wondering, if you're you know, a newer listener to the podcast, when you send in your questions, feel free to attach some kind of uh, trio of names so we figure them out on the podcast and have some fun with those. So uh, thank you, David, for 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 sending that in. Here is your question: Is there any reason I shouldn't take Shohei Otani at number two overall in this format? It is a thirteen-team roto league with OBP not average. And we can make daily moves. So that means he can get hitting stats every day. He isn't pitching. He is a nine-tool player. Why would I not do this and take 
uh, Turner, Soto, or Tatis, depending on who would fall to number two. What do you think, Scotty? Roto, OBP, 13 teams, daily lineups. You could basically reap all of Otani's benefits. Well, the there is inherent risk to Otani that he's taking on this incomparable workload over a very long season. And he managed to do it last year. But is that something he can sustain year after year? He could spend a lot of time on the IL. Or his performance could suffer, I think, especially on the hitting end where he's most valuable. So that would be my hesitation. I agree it's probably worth the risk in this format. I think Fernando Tatis is the one player that I'd have a difficult time passing up for him. Although he obviously has risks of his own with the shoulder. He's just he's just a monster offensively. Uh, you know, and, and if not for that risk of the shoulder, like he'd be such an easy number one. It's a close call between those two for the first pick, I think, in this format where you have the daily lineup moves. Yeah, I tweeted this out earlier regarding Fernando Tatis. No, no kind of mind-boggling stat here, but he's played 273 career games. His 150-game pace in his first 273 is 44 homers and 28 steals. That is just outstanding for Fernando Tatis. However, given that this is OBP, Scott, I, I think that I would actually rank Juan Soto ahead of Fernando Tatis. Not, not that Tatis is bad in OBP, but man, Juan Soto is such a standout. So uh, I think it's close. I would st- I would go with Otani, number two overall in this format, in, in the daily lineup league. This one's from Darren, Dear Ivan, or Ivan, Adrian, and Juan. Are, are those... Um, I don't know. Um, There's Juan Gonzalez and Yvonne Rodriguez, and maybe, I don't know who Adrian would be. Adrian. Adrian Gonzalez? Oh, Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre. All right. Just great Rangers hitters. (laughs) Yeah, that that could be it. Um, Maybe. Yeah. I am in a highly competitive 16-team head-to-head points keeper league. We keep 10 regular players along with two freshmen and one sophomore. The league is very deep, and we have 20 minor league spots as well. Elite starting pitching is money in this league, and I have a lot of it with Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber, Julio Arias, and Joe Musgrove as locked-in keepers. My question for you guys is the following. My final keeper spot has come down to two players, Tyler Glass now. And you, Darvish, who would you take with Glass now? I know I'm getting a season of nothing followed by a season of TJ recovering. Uh, I've tried to trade Glass now, but I'm get all I'm getting is lowballed. If I let Glass now go, I can kiss him goodbye, as there is no way he will make it to me in this upcoming draft. My window of contention is now. So it's interesting, Scott, because he already has the four awesome pitchers in Burns, Bieber, Julio Reyes, and Joe Musgrove. Do you choose to maybe take that red shirt year out of Tyler Glass now and know that he's younger than Darvish and could have a longer potential impact in a keeper league? Yeah, especially I think since there are concerns about Darvish's performance. If there weren't, I might not stress the age difference so much. It's really just about, we don't know if Darvish is going to be a high-end performer ever again. I think there's a pretty good chance. I rank him, I think, 29th at starting pitcher. But it's a reasonable doubt. And in a league where 160 players are kept, um, I, I think you can play the long game with your keepers. 
even say, even not recognizing that you're looking to compete now, I mean, I think without Dar- Darvish, you have a strong enough starting staff to do that. Yeah, and, and especially in a 16-team league, Scott. I mean, it's just so it's so deep. So I think you're I think you're doing it the right way, keeping all these pitchers. And just a reminder on what uh, Tyler Glass now did last year before he unfortunately needed Tommy John surgery: two point six six ERA. 0.93 whip, 123 strikeouts in 88 innings pitched. I mean, this guy was really coming into his own as like a top five, top 10 starting pitcher for fantasy. And uh, yeah, I think this is something just to remember as well for keeper leagues. If um, if you have an IL on your team and it's one of those leagues where you can keep a player for late, like for their round value the following year or for their salary cap value the following year, Try to scoop up Tyler Glass now very late in your keeper league or uh, in a you know salary cap keeper league. You know, throw him out for a couple bucks and see if you can get him. Say so you can keep him for cheaper next year in 2023. This one's from Charlton. I recently joined a 15 team league. All right, this is an interesting question. I read it beforehand. Some of these I didn't read beforehand, so <laughs> bear with me. But um, this one was interesting. A, a 15 team league, 30 man MLB roster. 25 minor league spots where you draft two MLB teams from which you pick 10 players each to start your team. They can be on MLB or minor league affiliates outside of the obvious teams, Braves, Dodgers, Yankees, Angels, White Sox, Astros. What are some under the radar teams that have a good balance of prospects and MLB players to choose from. So I'm going to filibuster a little bit here, Scott, to give you some time to think about this one. But yeah, I I, don't even know why, what makes these teams obvious. Like, I feel like the White Sox have the worst prospect situation right now. So I don't know why they'd be among the obvious ones. ones, But you know, it just came to mind, Scott, immediately. And it's uh, not just because of Julio Rodriguez. I I think that they genuinely have a good roster now, but obviously the Mariners, I I think they're up and coming. mm -hmm. I think that they're a team that could compete. And I think they have a lot of really good prospects on the way. Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelenic, obviously Logan Gilbert already on the roster, but they've got pitching prospects, George Kirby, Emerson Hancock. They have Matt Brash. Um, They're a really, really exciting team. So, and they just got Robbie Ray. Like I'd be very interested in the Seattle Mariners, the Detroit Tigers, our team that, you know, in that same same way, maybe not well, as good, but I kind of like the Tigers. They have two great prospects, but not a lot going on at the major league level. True. Um, <clears throat> I am looking at, I'm looking at the Blue Jays. For sure. And... Yeah, the Blue Jays are up and coming already, like with their entire roster, and then they have you know Jordan Groshans coming on the way, as well in their prospect system. Yeah, I'm not sure I love any of the others to be honest. The Pirates have a lot of prospects, but not go- not a lot going on at the major league level. How about the Padres? I, mean, yeah, I know like, I, I thought about them, but they have Abrams coming. They have Robert Hassel, Mackenzie yeah, they're Gore. Okay. Eh, they're really like know. a mid tier pick, I think. Okay. Uh, I I guess you did hit on a lot of the big ones here, but I would add the Blue Jays to the list. Okay. Yeah, I think Blue Jays for you, Mariners for me. Yeah, definitely Mariners. You're right. Yep. Uh, Cardinals. How about the Cardinals, Scott? They they have some talent now. They have Nolan Gorman. They have Jordan Walker coming as well. Yeah, they're okay. Another Matthew, mid-tier pick. Matthew Libertor. Uh, 
Rays are probably a mid tier pick just because they don't, they have a deep farm system, but they don't, for being a good team, they don't have a lot of standouts mm-hmm. on the major league roster. All right. So I think those five teams right there that we, we just talked about the Mariners, the Blue Jays, the Padres we mentioned, the Cardinals, and the Rays. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This next one's from Marco in Toronto. I was thinking Salvador Perez was a big advantage because he played basically every day filling in as DH on days off. Are there any National League catchers that will get similar workloads this year with the NLDH spot. First and foremost, I don't think that there is a single National League catcher that will come close to the workload we saw from Salvador Perez last year. He played 161 games, and his plate appearance total was the most that we saw in the MLB since Victor Martinez back in 2009. So that just lets you know, like it's been a decade since we saw a catcher-eligible player play that much. With that being said, Scott... You know, the ones that come to mind immediately, Will Smith will benefit. JT Real Muto will benefit. I think mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras especially. They signed Jan Gomes in the offseason, so I think that they they did that knowingly, that, you know, Gomes could play catcher, and then Wilson Contreras will either DH, you know, maybe play some time at first base as well. Uh, those guys. Yeah. And then maybe a little bit lower down, someone like Travis Darno. Yeah, it's really just you look at the best, hit, the best hitting catchers. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> The best hitting catchers are all likely to get more. They're they're likely to be the ones who the teams want to stay in the lineup at DH when they need a break from catching. Mm -hmm. I mentioned on the catcher preview that Luis Campusano, prospect for the Padres, who's gotten a taste of the majors each of the last two years, doesn't look like he has anything more to prove in the minors, questionable defensively. I really like the offensive profile. I could see him becoming, you know, kind of a, a back backup catcher slash primary DH for them, but it may not happen from the get go. All right. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. I think two other young players in that same regard, you know, Cabert Ruiz, obviously, uh, I, I believe that the Nationals value his bat. That's you know part of his appeal as a prospect. So he could be one of them. And then Tyler Stevenson. You know, while we don't like the draft cost for Tyler Stevenson, he should play. Uh, he should be the main catcher for the Reds. And um, he even played some first base last year. So I, I think that they really do like his bat in the lineup. And as a result, probably see him get some days at DH as well. This next one's from Papa Torres, dear Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. I believe those are the three musketeers. Really? 
I had no, <laughs> I had no idea. I did not know what their names were. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Uh, good thing that you're here, Scott, because geez, I would just, uh, I would just embarrass myself over and over. <laughs> Happy Fantasy Baseball 22. First, what an outstanding job you're all three doing so far. Thank you. Listen to every show this year. An Apple review will follow. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. Could you please discuss the following approach when drafting for a head-to-head categories league? Drafting two aces, then loading up on hitters for the next five to six rounds. When drafting at the bottom half of the draft, so rounds eight through 12, uh, picks eight through 12, drafting two studs from the same position above, um, from the same position above, and then two to three starting pitchers after it. Uh, All right, so two aces early, Scott, and then load up on hitters. Drafting two studs at the same position. Why, Why do they have to be the same position? I'm confused. All right, let's just say drafting two stud hitters and then um, two to three starting pitchers after it. What do you think? So pocket aces. Pocket aces. And then a bunch of hitters in a categories league. Yep. Head-to-head categories. It, the, pocket, the pocket aces thing has always struck me as kind of gimmick, gimmicky. Um. I don't know. I don't know who's going to listen to this whole podcast. Frankly, this is pretty <laughs> awful. We just did a two-hour mock draft before this. If you know, so I didn't have enough to do that, and we're we're going forward with this mailbag anyway. So apologies. I'm doing the best I can. The pocket aces thing has always struck me as gimmicky because I I don't know that that's like why do you necessarily have to use your first two picks on a pitcher. You know, maybe you want two good starting pitchers, but they could be in rounds two and two and four. You know, like I, I just don't know that you have to box yourself in like that. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need two anyway, because there's such a good upper middle class at the position now. You get one true ace, maybe, and then you get two of those guys from like the Max Freed, Jose Barrios tier, you know? Mm -hmm. And that would be potentially even stronger. Um, So no, I I don't really, I mean, this approach could work for you, but I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't really have, I don't see clear merits for it for doing something this specific. Yeah, Uh, I I think, yeah, you don't have to be as rigid in, in your strategy here. I, you know, typically in this format, we did a head-to-head categories mock draft recently. You can go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, I, I would probably, I'd like to get one starting pitcher probably with my first two picks and then probably another starting pitcher at the three, four. I'd like to have two aces that I could just always leave in my lineup in this format and then draft a bunch of relievers that help out with ratios and obviously, you know, get like two or three closers in there. Uh, and then I wait and then, you know, maybe pick up some upside pitchers later on. That That's what I typically do. Uh, and I like to punt steals. So Players in that range that would fit that strategy, you know, Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, uh, even like you know Kyle Tucker, he'll probably give you like twelve to fifteen, or or like a Bryce Harper or someone like that. So I would try to punt steals and maybe get like two pitchers in your first uh, four picks. That, that's what I usually do in that format. This next was from Jake. I play in a ten man eight by eight roto league with daily lineup changes, standard uh, f- five by five categories plus hits, total bases, and OPS on the hitter side, plus uh, holds, caper nine, and quality starts on the pitcher side. 
and I have to choose three keepers out of the following. Bryce Harper, Kyle Tucker, Luis Robert, Rafael Devers, Walker Bueller, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer. In a vacuum, I think I would pick Harper, Tucker, and Robert, but they all play at the deepest position, and my league is only three outfielders. Uh, There are also two utility spots. Would you roll with the three outfielders, or would you sub Devers for a starting pitcher um, for one? Or a starting pitcher for one? Oh, yeah. I would go... Uh, let's see here. So it's really a, yeah, eight by eight. Um, I would go tough. Ten nine. Harper for sure. Obviously. Yep. And then I think I go Bueller and endeavors. I'm, I'm with you on Harper. I think I agree on Walker Bueller. I was going to say, Max Scherzer, just because I think he'll be better in K per nine and in quality starts. Oh, you know what? I overlooked him. Yeah, Scherzer over Bueller. That's but, fine. But Scott, the fact that it's a keeper league, yeah, you might want to lean with the youth of Walker Bueller. And, yeah, that's and true too. Think that you can right, you know, back to Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep him for longer. So I would go Harper, uh, Bueller, and I still think the overall impact. Um, in this format, will we'll be better from Kyle Tucker. So I know, I know you yeah, get but you got the position outfits. scarcity thing. Yeah, with Devers and the fact the fact that it's eight by eight, I think levels the playing field a little between Tucker and Devers because Tucker's steals aren't as valuable. True. So I, I'm, I, I I do think I'd lean Devers over Tucker, given that it's a three outfielder league and you're already keeping an outfielder. All right. Uh. So, yeah. Uh, Scotty's going to go with Harper, Devers, and, and um, Bueller. Uh, I, I think I would still go with Tucker, though. You, you did make a good point there, Scotty. Uh, this one's from Joel. Dear Hubie, Sonny and Happy. Uh, no idea here. Um, this seems like a... Yeah, I thought this might be Adam Sandler characters. Hubie Halloween has tons of references to old Adam Sandler movies. Uh, Sonny, Happy Gilmore, uh, uh, Sonny, Sonny Koufax, Sonny from, is that his name in Big Daddy? I think that might be it. Yep. It is. Yeah. Look at me. Those those Adam Sandler movies finally paying off for you. Yeah. Scott, you know, man, like if there's any movies I've seen, it's the first three Saw movies and uh, a bunch of like goofy, (laughs) you know, Adam Sandler movies growing up. Uh, (laughs) again, this one's from Joel question for you gents i love trading throughout the year and i'm constantly trying to increase the amount of trades in my leagues so would you guys happen to have any data that would support increases increasing trading for example do more bench spots or a certain number of roster and bench spots uh equal more trades on average would decreasing the fab available make owners look to trade more often is there a fab sweet spot not sure there is data out there for this but i'd love to start the discussion. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we definitely don't have data, but I mean, Scott's been playing fantasy for a long time. You know, I've been playing fantasy for a long time. Not as long as Scott, but um, I know you play in all different kind of formats, Scott. So is there anything that that you know that maybe stands out uh, that maybe entices people to trade um, more often in fantasy? Well, I think... I think the shallower the league... Well, no, that's not necessarily true. I find it easier to trade in points leagues than categories leagues because 
there's less collateral damage for things for things you give up. You know, it's just about overall production and you're not having to weigh the risk of sacrificing in one category to add to another category. So I I, I tend you know, and, and some disagree over that when I've brought it up before. They say, well, yes, but pursuing particularly at certain times of year, pursuing one category in particular, um, opens up creates an incentive to trade that maybe doesn't exist in points leagues. And and maybe that's true. I just that's not my personal experience. Uh I mean I, I don't know exactly what the sweet spot is. I think maybe too shallow makes it hard to trade, but also too deep makes it hard to trade. There probably is a sweet spot in terms of depth where holes can be created on rosters. And yet it's not so deep that nobody's willing to consolidate two players for one player, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know I'm not offering you many specifics, but those are two observations I've made. I would say adding the possibility of trading fab, I, I think maybe could increase trading as well. I mean, there's a few leagues that I played in where you could straight up trade a percentage of your fab. Hey, Scott, I'm going to give you $50 of my fab budget. You give me Trent Grisham, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I've seen that happen in different kind of leagues. And I think having more fab in that sense, playing with $1,000 to start rather than 100 that that probably increases the likelihood that people want to trade away their fab just because they have more of it in general. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's something you could try, you know, upping the fab to a thousand. I mean, it's typically in increments of 10 anyway. So like a hundred, a thousand, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I would try something like that and, and maybe adding in that possibility of trading fab for players or, or trading fab for other fab. Like, you know, I, I've seen it happen in leagues before, maybe adding an incentive to, to trading as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, but I, I don't know. I was thinking like having an award at the end of the year for like oh. the, the best trade made or like the worst trade made. And I don't know. You, you know what I should add? What do you think? Dynasty. Yeah. When, when you, when you have teams, different teams focused on the long term and the short term, that makes for a lot more trade possibilities. Every team is always in play for a trade. And, you know, because I play in so many leagues every year, you know, I, when I started playing fantasy, I was the guy who traded all the time. But I hardly ever trade in redraft leagues anymore because I'm so focused on getting deals done, done in those dynasty leagues that it just, you know, I, I just don't have the bandwidth for it anymore. So that's, you know, it's, if, if you like trades, I mean, dynasty is where you're going to see the most. Yeah, I think that makes sense too. And if you play in a dynasty league, then you could talk about the possibility of uh, trading draft picks, trading rookie picks, and and you can really kind of expand there. So I think the more things you have available to trade, it opens it up. So trading fab, trading draft picks and dynasty, um, those are a few suggestions. So hopefully we'll help you out there, Joel. This is the last one that we got here today, and it's from Caleb in Canada. Big fan of the show. I'm a new listener, but I haven't missed an episode since I started. Thank you, Caleb. We do appreciate it. I am in a head-to-head six-by-six categories league. 
that allows for three keepers with no penalty. I do have a good number to choose from, but not a stud like some of the other managers. I have uh, Garrett Cole. He's pretty good. Max Scherzer. He's pretty good. I'm inclined to keep those two, but open to uh, just keeping one. Should I keep them? I need one more keeper between Matt Olson, Eloy Jimenez, Austin Riley, Jose Abreu, Alex Bregman, and Corey Seager. Should I keep the two pitchers or try with a couple of batters? Who would you choose? Head-to-head, six-by-six. Does not say how deep the league is, though, Scotty. Or what the what the extra category is. Correct. Uh, we appreciate I mean, you, I, Caleb, but next time you email in, just uh, you know, add in the size of your league and, and maybe what those extra categories are. I think the chalk answer is Matt Olson. And so I don't think you can really go wrong keeping him. I'd be tempted to lock up third base, third base though, with Austin Riley, even if it's a little bit riskier. I, I think that would be my choice, actually. I, we just did a 12-team head-to-head points draft where I got left out at third base. It's really easy to do. It's the weakest position, and um, it's not fun. I don't like having that, that glaring, you know, that glaring shortcoming on your roster. And I'm not sure Olsen, as much as I like him for what he brings to the table, I'm not sure it's quite enough to, uh, to pass up, pass up the chance to go ahead and secure third base when you may not, you, you, who knows if you'll get another chance, especially since it's a keeper league. And because it's a keeper league too, I mean Austin Riley being younger than Matt Olson, and uh, again, not yeah. that much. Though. Olson's younger than I think many people realize. I think Olson is about to turn twenty-eight. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not old by any means. I mean, he's in the prime of his career. Yeah, he turns twenty-eight in late March, and I think Austin Riley. Austin Riley's probably older than people realize. Um, Actually, no, he's 24 years old. He turns 25 in early April, so... So they're like three years apart. Yeah. No, I mean, that helps. Uh, it's not like a super deep keeper league here, but yeah, I actually agree. I, I would go uh, I would go with Cole Scherzer and Austin Riley there. We're going to wrap up. Scotty, please, go no, drink thank God. Go drink some tea. Put, put me out of my misery. Maybe like a throat loss and something. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, man. We'll... We're going to get Scotty back on track one way or another. Uh, For Scott, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying The Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for The Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.